Hey, it's me, Sam, back for episode three on this Monday evening. Uh, to clarify, on the last episode, I mentioned that it was uh, Back Porch Diaries because, and then didn't, you know, as I do, didn't provide any information to explain that. Um, it's called Back Back Porch Diaries because I'm sitting on my back porch. It is finally warm enough in this godforsaken state to actually um, enjoy outside in the evenings and during the day even um so that's why we're calling it that and I do I don't know calling it that just to say it but so uh still planning on doing some recording while I'm driving but you know at this point this is a time that uh, is quiet. All my kids are asleep, or they should be asleep. And I can kind of prepare what I want to go over on the episode and then and then talk about it. So that's what we're doing. Um, so remember when I said that I was going to try to do an episode every day? Yeah, I should have had someone to remind me that I have four flipping kids. And... So, doing anything every day is pretty much not uh, realistic. Um, Yeah, I barely brush my teeth every day. I don't know why I thought I could also record a podcast episode every day. But I'm going to do the best I can. So, um, when I said every day, I meant every business day. I'm going to go ahead and change that because that's what I want to do. No, I mean, I'm going to do them when I want to do them. And if it ends up being every day, then, then so be it. But... Um, so just a couple of updates. Um, as far as, uh, my weight loss, I remember, uh, my first episode I mentioned about trying to make some changes to what I was eating and, um, just the way I was eating and getting back on track after four months of living like a maniac and eating anything that was anywhere remotely close to my face. Um, so I'm still doing that and still plugging along for about a week now. Weighed myself this morning, definitely the same weight, which I'm not too surprised with, but, um, staying motivated, went to Sam's today, bought a bunch of stuff to hopefully make things a little bit easier and then, um, you know, keeping at it. I think the thing is, is, is like, I don't, um... And this is maybe a thing that a lot of people get caught up in is that being the weight that I'm at doesn't necessarily affect my day to day. Like I feel like I still accomplish everything. I don't feel sore. I don't have like a bad back or anything like that. So it's, it's somewhat difficult for me to stay motivated because it doesn't really affect me um, as far as physically what I'm able to do. But I know I'm not an idiot. Like I know long term that it's just not, it's not healthy. It's not a good look, um, to continue to carry around excess weight. So yeah, still plugging ahead, still eating, um, trying to cut carbohydrates as much as possible, still doing it. So eventually I say this and it's kind of sounds stupid, but it is exactly what it is. Like my body, I believe my body loves to be fat. (laughs) I think that it's like just like written in my genetic code that uh, I I, my body just is like really excited when I'm when I'm when I'm fat. So it's a real like battle of the wills 
between my mind and my body to try to, to lose any weight. So, but I'm still plugging at it. And honestly, like the bigger payoff for me is that I feel so much better when I'm not eating carbohydrates. So it's nice to feel better. It's nice not to be so tired. Um, there've been periods in my life where I've been just binging and eating whatever and eating everything that I literally feel like I can't hardly make it through the day without taking a nap. And it's almost like I have to, you know, make it back in time to be able to take a nap before my kids get off the bus or whatever. And that's definitely not something that I experience when I'm, um, when I'm eating this way. So that's nice. Like I can actually, you know, be an adult and make it through my day without taking a nap. So that's something, but, and and really, like I said, that's the bigger payoff for me is that I feel a lot better. I have a ton more energy and I don't feel, um, as panicked around mealtimes and, and like to eat during the day. I just, like, I know what I'm supposed to eat and I kind of have an idea on things that I'm, you know, that I want to eat within this plan. So yeah, doing it. Um, I did want to kind of, I thought of this like kind of bit to, to go over because there's been just a couple of things that have happened over the past four days or so that have been kind of funny, but I wanted to just talk about like how annoying things are and disclaimer, like I'm super, well, super is a strong word. Um, I'm content with my life. I'm happy. I'm not like a massive complainer and I'm not complaining necessarily. I don't know if, if to say something's annoying, if that's considered complaining, I guess it is, but I just am in, like, there's things that are annoying and I'm not the only person who gets annoyed that I don't think that that makes me a complainer. I don't know. But so this is uh how annoying is it? Number one today I was, um, my son, this, I'll get to this one because this is part of the how annoying is it. My son is, my oldest son has been sick for now four days. And so, like I mentioned before, um, I live on a, like kind of a wannabe farm. I've got some goats and chickens and whatever. And he usually like, he's a rock star. And I tell people, people are like, how do you do it? How do you, how do you keep all the animals and keep the blah, blah, blah. I'm like, I don't do anything. Like I just buy the feed and it's his deal. He wants to do it. He wants to have the animals. And so that was kind of the deal. Like if you want to do it, if you want to have them, if you want to keep them, like you're going to have to keep up with feeding and watering them. And he's 12. So he does it really well. And really he's been doing it since he was, gosh, like six or seven. I mean, like getting up before he would even get ready for school and feeding and watering animals. So he's been doing it forever. He knows how to do it. He does it pretty well. I mean, I have to kind of come behind him and just give some gentle instruction about just like organization and cleaning and things because he will rush through it, but he does it and he does it really good. But these past couple of days, he's been pretty sick. So I've been kind of stepping in and doing it. And so how annoying is it to get a splinter? Oh my gosh. I was trying to set up this board in the uh, chicken coop that would hang like a five gallon bucket so that they could have more water through the day because it's getting hot out here and want to make sure they have enough water. And so as I'm sliding this board through the, um, through the chain links to kind of anchor it there in the, in the coop, I get two big fat splinters in my finger and it's like, number one, you can't do anything about it while you're out there. Like, working. Number two, now I'm like, my gosh, what's going to happen? I'm going to end up getting some massive infection because I'm obviously just like elbow deep in chicken crap and trying to deal with this, this coop or whatever. And 
can't do anything about it. It freaking hurts every time you touch anything. So then I closed out my day today with using a freaking safety pin to just gouge my fingers and try to get these splinters out. And then it's such a letdown because in your mind, it hurts so bad. And you're like, God, this has to be like a freaking giant piece of wood in my finger. No, it's literally a speck. You can't even see it. It's like a literally like a millimeter long. The one was, and the other one really was like the size of a, a period on a, on a, on a sentence. Like it was a little dot, but my goodness, it hurts so bad. It's so annoying. And then the, you're digging at it and then you're worried. Like, did I, I didn't like burn the need, the, the safety pin. I just put some sanitizer on it and hope for the best. <laughs> So now my finger's all swollen up. I gotta, I don't know. I gotta put some antibacterial on it or something and hope that it doesn't end up infected and I lose my finger because I'd be terrible. But how annoying is that to get a splinter? Just dumb. Just really stupid is what it is. It's just annoying. Uh, so there's that. Number two. <clears throat> I don't know if anybody else gets on YouTube. I check it out here and there. There's a couple of like regular. My sister-in-law really turned me on to like some uh, makeup videos just, and really like for me, this is a side note. This isn't annoying. This is nice. I here, I'm like 35 years old. I literally, um, prior to watching some of these makeup videos was like living off of CoverGirl, uh, pressed powder with like a heavy white, heavy, heavy, light, light undertone all over my entire face. So ghost face basically. And then, uh, some, like, pink bottle, uh, CoverGirl mascara. That's pretty much all I was doing. Like, basically all my makeup was mascara because my mom, the Deb, you know, she, she rocks some CoverGirl and that's good. She does a good job. Her skin is amazing. So it's worked out for her, but I didn't know anything else. And like, I was that girl in, uh, Walgreens just like staring and buying random stuff and wasting money on stuff that didn't work and that I didn't like. So I started watching these YouTube videos about like top five, top best, top blah, blah. And it's awesome because now I feel like I watch these videos. I know these, these women and men, like that's all they do is test makeup and try makeup. So they know what they're talking about. And, uh, I go into the Walgreens. I'm like, yeah, I'm buying this because I watched this YouTube video and she said it worked good and I know it's going to work good. And then it does work good. And so I'm not wasting my money. But obviously when you open up YouTube, like all these other random videos will load. I don't know how they pull this stuff, but how annoying is it that there are little, literally videos of people that have millions. If you look this up, it's called a mukbang, mukbang, mukbang. I don't know. Mukbang. I don't know what it's called. It's literally videos of people <clears throat> either ordering or going through drive throughs or just having the food in their home. And they're literally talking and then eating. They're eating massive amounts of food uh, on video And if you look, there are millions and millions of views, which means that these people are making money off of binging delicious food. I mean, if I wasn't trying to get my life together and be a little bit healthier, it's brilliant. Like it's a brilliant business plan because I love food. Half the time I'm watching the, I've clicked on a couple of them because I'm like, is this for real? 3.5 million views. And it's like, uh, mukbang, McDonald's. One dollar, like the one girl ate everything off of the one of of the dollar menus off of, at McDonald's. The one dollar, two dollar, three dollar. She got ordered one of everything and sat down and ate all of it. And it had like 30, 30 million views or something ridiculous. 
So basically, these people are making a ton of money off of just sitting down and eating a ton of food. I hate America. I hate people. Like I, I, I don't. But I just it kills me. How in the world do we live in a country in a world where there are people who will watch these videos? And so obviously, the people, the YouTube people who are making them, you know, they're making money off of ads and everything else. It's just. It blows my mind. It's so flippin' annoying. I can't handle it. And the other part of this is, another one that I've seen pop up that usually has millions of views is this ASMR. I don't know what it stands for. I don't particularly care. But if you pull up one of these videos, you're going to hate these people so much, but then you're going to be so so mad that you didn't think of it first. They literally, the one is like, I just saw this one today and it made me just infuriate, infuriated. ASMR tapping things and it, I swear to you it's literally a video of this girl sitting just a normal looking girl sitting with like na- she's got nails she's in really super close to a microphone and she's just holding up different things and tapping her nails on it and it's really quiet and so the sound is really amplified and I don't understand it but again these people have millions and millions of views and they're making a ton of money off of it so annoying so confusing why are you watching these videos what's the draw I don't I don't I don't understand there's just a whole world of freaks that I don't know anything about because I'm so sheltered and backwards (laughs) but apparently there's a market for it um so that's one that's another one uh so getting back to what I mentioned about my son my oldest son being sick how annoying is it when your kids are sick I know I'm not a monster like I feel bad for my son he he's really I'm pretty sure he has bronchitis it's nasty it hurts his throat hurts but when you're an adult and you have kids and like as an adult you have responsibilities especially when you have kids like I mentioned my son handles I mean he's 12 almost 12 so he handles a lot of things like he helps out a lot he does a lot of chores he has the animals blah blah so how annoying is it that he's sick I told him this today. I'm like, you know what, bud? Like, I need you to get better because it's really getting on my nerves. Uh, Because I'm having to upset my whole schedule and change things around. And but he's so fun. Like, honestly, he went to work with me on Friday. He went with me again today. I shouldn't even like put this in and how annoying. Because part of me is like, it's kind of cool that I've gotten to spend as much time with him as I had because he's just with me all day because he's sick. Um, but he's so funny and like we've had a really actually had a really good time and laughed a lot and stuff even though he's been feeling kind of cruddy but it is, it can be annoying like especially if you I'm a single mom so guess what when my kids are sick if it wasn't him and it was one of the younger ones I'd be home and I wouldn't be working and then my whole schedule is just a mess and 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 mucked up and so yeah I need my kids not to be sick and that's why people get like people get annoyed, I think with me or people think that I'm a fanatic, but I, um, I don't like to go places or like my kids. I don't like, like my um, one-year-old, I still put her in the nursery side where there's like less kids because I don't really want her around. Like, I don't really want her in a room where there's a lot of kids because a lot of kids equals a lot of germs. And like my, um, I don't really like them to be like in big crowds or like new places, especially through the winter. Thankfully it's like spring and starting to hopefully the sickness is starting to phase out. But oh my goodness, back in the fall, there was literally like a six week period of time that um, 
I didn't work a full week for those full six weeks because there was at least at that point I just had the three kids, but there was at least one of them through that whole six week period of time who was sick at some point and was home from school or home from the daycare. And it's just crazy. I mean, I feel terrible for them. They have no flipping immune systems like they're babies. They can't help themselves. But I mean, it's annoying. Let's just, if you're a parent and you want to lie to me and tell me that it's not annoying, that's okay. Lie to me, lie to yourself. But at the end of the day, it is, it's annoying and it's also sad for them and I want them to be healthy. And hopefully my son wakes up tomorrow and is miraculously healthy because he, I mean, are you kidding me? Like he's living the dream right now because I don't make him do anything. Like he literally, other than going to work with me, he lays on the couch and plays video games nonstop, like all day Saturday, all day Sunday, just nonstop. And he loves it. Like that's his dream. So he's loving it. I don't think he would be too upset if he woke up tomorrow and was still sick because he's been really enjoying his, uh, time laying around, but hopefully he wakes up tomorrow and he feels better. So last one, this happened tonight to me and I thought of it too. And this is kind of what led me up to this talk about how things are annoying. How annoying is it when you, your toy. Okay. So backstory a little bit. I live on a farm. Like I mentioned, I have well water, which is people are like, what the hell is well water? Um, I don't have city water. Like I don't pay a water bill, which is awesome, but I have water. Like I have a well pump, the whole deal right on my property. All of it comes in to my house. Got it. But so because of that, you know, the water is, I guess, higher in iron, higher in minerals. So it makes my toilet just look a mess. And so it's like every other day, it seems like it needs to be cleaned out because it just builds up. All this sediment builds up. So how annoying it is it when like I finally get around to putting the cleaner in the toilet and I have to let it sit because like it has to, you know, soak in there. I can't just put it in there like a normal person with city water and then clean it out immediately. Like it has to sit in there. And then like 30 minutes later, I have to go to the bathroom and I go running in there and it's like, what do you do? Like, do I clean it? And then like, I'm about to pee my pants, so I can't do that. So then it's like, now my toilet cleaner is soaked with pee. This is all gross. I'm sorry. I just apologize because it's disgusting. All of it's gross. But yeah, in a perfect world, I would like manage this system a little bit better to where I would put the cleaner in and then like set on the timer or something because of course I forget about it I put it in there and then I walk away and I forget about it and then like I don't remember about I don't remember that it's in there until I have to run in there and go to the bathroom and then it's like shit what do I do I don't know so annoying annoying all annoying <clears throat> um so that's that if anybody else ever happens to listen to this tell me if you're annoyed I don't know oh I have to just, this is a bonus. I just thought of this. I didn't even write it down on my list, but my son and I were talking about this on Friday and he was laughing so hard. He was crying. He's 11. So I don't know how funny it actually is, but it's not really funny, but it, it, to me, it just, I always laugh when this happens, even though I'm super annoyed. How annoying is it when you go to a fast food restaurant and it takes an ungodly amount of time? Here's the thing. I went to, we went to the Wendy's drive-thru because I had him with me and like I didn't pack a lunch. And so we're going to the drive-thru and he wants to get some smoothie deal or whatever his throat's hurting. And literally I had my map on so they can't argue with me. It was 25 minutes. And I told my son, I'm like, you know what? This is annoying, but here's the thing. The name fast is in the name of your restaurant. 
So if you're not running too fast, like if you've got your B staff mm-hmm. and it's, uh, if it's like, you know, not the best crew or maybe you're short staffed or what, whatever the issue is, can you just like run a, run a flag up? Like, you know how in the ocean they'll like run different flags for the, uh, you know, the tides, like if it's red or whatever, then that's, I guess, I don't know. I don't know why I'm talking about it. Like I know what the colors mean, but you know what I'm talking about. Like in the ocean, if it's real bad, they'll run a flag, don't go in it, don't go too far, whatever. Like I need restaurants to implement some type of system like that. Like if you're running slow or you don't have the best people there, or like somebody left early or somebody got pissed off and, and stormed out. So now you're short stat, whatever it is, like just run a flag up. No problem. Today, you got your whatever, you got your yellow flag up, caution, not so fast. And you know what's going to happen? I'm just going to keep driving. And then, mm-hmm. you know what? When you're on point and you and you got your stuff together and all your people are there and it's your A-team, I want you to run that green flag up and then I'm going to know I'm stopping at that restaurant. Here's another idea. You know how Krispy Kreme has their like flashing, hot and ready light? Like I need something like that implemented like uh not so fast running kind of slow like put it on your like the kiosk where like the one at the on Wendy said try a frosty you know what I, no I, how about you put on there like slow day or like not very fast today you know just something like that because because look I'm not mad at you I worked fast food I used to work at Chick-fil-a when I was in high school oh my gosh there was one time where I was with I was a manager all these high school kids got real pissed off because I was trying to get them to do their jobs. And like, I don't know, I had like this super managerial moment where I was trying to really crack down on them. And they were like, uh, screw you. Every flipping one of them left. And the restaurant's open. It's not the end of the shift. It's not closed. So it was me and this other guy running this giant Chick-fil-A. And it was a mess. You know what? In that moment, I would have put out the red flag. I would have put up the red flag and said, hey, this is what it is. We're having a rough night. Got to be pretty slow tonight. Just a heads up. Probably not going to have the food you want and probably going to mess up your order. And then people could have just walked on and been like, hey, we get it. We've been there. That's what I'm that's what I'm suggesting, because it's flipping annoying when you go to a fast food restaurant, you expect fast food and it ends up being slow food. Nobody wants to deal with it. So that's it. That's it on my annoying tangent. Uh, sorry, I don't mean to, to sound like I'm complaining about everything. I'm not, I really love my life, but I mean, things happen and you get annoyed. So I'm going to talk about it. Um, tonight, uh, maybe a little, little change in pace. I thought I'd, um, kind of talk a little bit about my first marriage and maybe just, you know, this is already pushing 30 minutes. I didn't realize this, how annoying bit was going to take as long as it did, but that's okay. Um, but anyway, I might make this episode a little bit longer because I'm kind of committed to it. And who, as we know, who knows when I'm going to get around to doing another one. So I might as well just stick with this one since I'm on a roll. Um, so basically, you know, I went through high school and most of college and didn't really, I was like the best, 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 best friend, but not girlfriend, you know, <laughs> like what do they call that? Um, what is that? I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. Like, I was like, always super, super good friends with guys. And in my mind, like, I would always like kind of start out like really, really like, yeah, it's just my friend. It's just my friend. And then eventually, like, if 
it's just inevitable. If you spend that much time with someone, I don't care what people say. I hate when girls say this. He's just my best friend. No, no. You're going to end up having feelings for him and you're going to end up wanting to be with him. Like there's no way that you can spend that much time with someone from the opposite sex and not eventually end up having some type of romantic feeling for that person. So I was always that girl, like super best friends with different guys through college, but never really um, full, like there were a couple times where maybe kind of tried it to, but then it's always just like, well, I don't want to date you because then I'll lose my friend. Well, let me just, let me just clarify. This is not about my first marriage. But let me just clarify that for any girls listening. <clears throat> that means they don't want to be with you. Period. The end. Like if, if a guy is concerned about losing his best friend, how does that make any sense? Because wouldn't you want to be with your best friend, even on a romantic level. I mean, come on, it's, but you know, I'm an idiot and I was an idiot then too. So I went for it and it, it, of course it never worked out because you know, it just doesn't work out. But, uh, so basically my, um, junior year of college in the summer, I worked for a camp in, where was I at? Nashville. I worked in a camp in Nashville. Um, it was a missions camp, Everyone at the college that I went to, the Baptist Student Union, you know, worked these camps or whatever. And they came to our school and recruited students from the Baptist Student Union. So I knew a lot about it, knew that I would like it, did like it, loved it. So I went in this camp and I was like kind of knew a little bit of Spanish from going on some mission trips to Mexico and things like that. So I ended up being assigned. The whole premise of the camp was... The counselors are assigned to a location, like in the community, and then when the teenagers and the kids come in each week from the churches and whatever it would be, they pick, they pick what type of um, ministry they want to do, like if they want to do construction, or they want to do um, like nursing home, or they want to do puppets, or they want to sing, or they want to um, work with kids, or whatever it is, and then based on whatever they choose, you get a group of kids assigned to you. And then those kids go with you each week to your mission sites. So I worked at an apartment complex that was predominantly Hispanic families and a lot of kids. And like we ran like a summer Bible camp um, at this apartment complex for the kids. So part of that was that I got to get a drink. I'm dying here. Hold on. Girl, you know, I'm drinking Diet Mountain Dew because... Despite the fact that I want to be healthy, I'm still putting this poison in my body all day, every day. Talk me out of it. I can't. I don't know. I can't give it up. I am trying to drink more water, so that's good. Um, anyway, <clears throat> so this um, apartment complex, like I mentioned, was predominantly Hispanic families and children. We ran these Bible camps. Um, so part of that, the, uh, what was it, Southern Baptist Convention in Tennessee had a student out of a language and mission school in Texas that they assigned to work with me at the apartment complex that was a Spanish, like a primary language was Spanish. So um, this guy, he spoke a little bit of English, but not a lot. 
And he played the guitar and he could sing. And obviously because he spoke Spanish, he was a big asset to help with the families and be able to talk with the parents and like explain to the parents what we were doing. And it talked to some of the, most of the kids would speak English, but you know, it was a matter of like maybe sometimes talking to the parents, getting permission. And then, you know, our whole deal is like we're sharing Jesus. And so he would spend a lot of time talking with the families and stuff. But so this guy, um, when I met him, he, uh, we went through the majority of the summer and just worked side by side and it really wasn't, um, there really wasn't anything like I, I don't remember at least, I don't remember there being any like major sparks or like I was smitten with him or anything like that. But, um, I think what you have to know about yourself, even when you're young is, is that if you're in a place that's vulnerable, or if you're in a place that's, and I'll just, I'm, I'm going to admit this, but if you're in a place that's kind of desperate, um, you need to probably pass on the first person that comes along <laughs> because um, it's really easy to convince yourself when you're in that state of mind that that's the person that God has brought into your life or that that's God's will or whatever it would be. And that's, I mean, now, now that I'm you know, 13, 14 years past that, I can with certainty say that that's the case. Anyway, I don't even remember what I was saying. I had to step away for a minute, come back to it here. But essentially, so I think what I was saying was that, um, you know, I was, I was, it's it just classic. Like I, again, fell into a pattern of becoming like, super, super close, spent almost the entire summer, like running around with this one particular guy who was another counselor. And even it didn't matter to me, like I knew that he had a fiance or he had a girlfriend or whatever back home and I didn't care. But I kind of aligned myself with him. Um, I think, I think a lot of it came down to just insecurities. Like I didn't care if I didn't have a boyfriend so much as I just wanted to make sure that I had a guy who I was close friends with that maybe nobody else was close friends with. And that's kind of what happened with that guy. So, but obviously like in the back of my mind, I must've been at a point, I know I was at a point where I was on some level kind of desperate for a romantic relationship um, that was, you know, more serious than some of the, you know, the little relationships I'd had in the years past, but, um, the ones that never amounted to anything serious at all. So anyway, this guy, as the summer went on, um, you know, obviously we spent every day together while we were at that mission site. He would come over to the um, college campus where we held our like chapel services every evening. And he would be there sometimes on a lot. Like I remember sitting with him a few times, but, um, here's the thing. We spoke two different languages. Like he definitely spoke more Spanish than he did English. And I definitely spoke more English than I did Spanish. So as far as like communication, which if you, I'm pretty sure like standard, anybody, any type of marriage family counselor that you ask is going to tell you that communication is a pretty huge part of having a successful relationship. Yeah, we couldn't communicate. I mean, we could talk to each other and we did, but who knows Who knows what he was really trying to communicate? Who knows if I was communicating in a way that he understood? Who really knows? Because I wasn't fluent in Spanish. He wasn't fluent in English. And I, and let me just say this for any girls who are considering the possibility of being with someone whose language isn't their same first language. Don't, 
do it. Because like I said, there's no way to know. Like I could be communicating to him in a way that I'm thinking, well, he knows these English words, but how did I, how could I have ever known if he was clearly understanding? Here's a perfect example. So camp comes to an end. Um, well, I'll get to that, but let me just give these details first. So camp comes to like the last few weeks. He is, in my mind, like he's, he's being a little bit more pursuant. We're spending a little bit more time together. Um, and you know, we ended up, what did we do? We ended up going a couple different places. He had access to a vehicle, spending a little bit more time together. Um, not a lot though. And I think that's again, the communication, because in my mind, like we're going to go do this, this and this. And then like, he wouldn't show up or we wouldn't end up going anywhere. Um, but when it came to the end of the summer, um, we had in my mind, like we were, we were on the same page. Like I'm going to, he had another full year of school in Texas to complete. I'm going to visit you over Thanksgiving break um, in Texas, and then I'm going to plan on moving to Texas and living there um, for a year while you finish school, and then we're going to get married. Like, done deal. Um, and I planned all of that. And that's the other thing that you have to know. Like, I want to just make sure. I wish that I could have just, like, gone back and told myself this. Like, if you're with, if you're going to, if you're in a relationship with someone and they want to be with you and they want to have a life with you, they're going to plan your life. They're going to be a part of the plan for your life. And he really wasn't. I mean, he, um, you know, mentioned, talked about me coming to Texas and we talked about visiting with each other, but I definitely ran with it. I ran with it and I planned my whole life around it. And, um, that's exactly what I did. I went and I stayed with him on Thanksgiving break after that summer. And then I moved to Texas in January of the following year. I lived there for that entire year. And then we got married in the next January, like literally two weeks after he graduated from college there. So, um, I mean, there's so many, so many things that are just crazy and, and funny even to look back on, you know, as an, for just another, a point is, um, during that time, while I was in uh, Nashville, there was a guy that I went to college with who drove down to Nashville from Kentucky to visit with me. And I found out after the fact that he was interested in pursuing a relationship with me. So this is just gives you an idea of how when you're in a place that's desperate and that's just craving relationship and craving intimacy and craving a future and marriage and whatever it was, you will just be completely stupid when it comes to the actual facts. So here I'm with this guy who doesn't speak my language, who really isn't like super attractive to me even, and then who wasn't really going to be able to provide the type of life that I wanted uh, outside of the fact that I did want to be a pastor's wife. And in my mind, that was like the ultimate, you know, goal It's to be a pastor's wife, to be a, be a missionary. That's what I felt like God had called me to that. And I wanted that so much. So that was a big draw to me is that here I can actually be married and then be a part of his ministry and we can be in ministry together. That's what I wanted. But in the meantime, here's a guy who is actually, putting forth an effort and like driving out of state coming. And I like to this day feel bad because I completely blew him off, like literally blew him off and think like he's married to one of my close friends. Now they have two beautiful children and they're absolutely 100% perfect for each other. So that wasn't anything that was ever supposed to happen anyway, but that's just something to keep in mind. Like 
um, keep your eyes open. Like I said, when you're in that position, you probably should pass on the first guy that comes along because um, it may not be it may not be the best thing, and it may you may find yourself kind of exaggerating what the actual details are. So I just remember, um, you know, by the end of the summer, feeling like I'm engaged and we're getting married and this is, this is a go. (laughs) Like I remember telling my family and they were just like, what the heck? We thought you just went to camp. What are you talking about? Um, I remember when I told them I was moving to Texas, they were like, are you serious? What, what are you talking about? Um, so it was just, you know, I, if you ask my parents, like they'll say like, we've never been able to tell you what to do or, and it's true. Um, I have, done what I want to do with my life and has it always turned out the right way no like a lot of times it ends up being a total train wreck but so anyway I moved to Texas lived there for a year even while I was there I had another woman who was uh, an older woman to me married to uh, married in kind of a similar situation that I was going to end up being in married to a man who was from Peru And I remember her pulling me aside and saying, you know, don't do it. This guy is not great. He's not, he's not what you think he is. He wants to marry a white woman so that he can stay in the United States and get his visas and everything. And it's just, and I, and in my mind, I was like, no, like that's not what it is. You know, that's the other thing. Like you just, you find yourself creating um, a reality that's not true. You find yourself creating um, a situation that's not the facts. And I think that's, um, this is a critical thing is to, when you're starting a relationship, when you're meeting someone, when you're spending time with him, when you're starting a relationship is to really focus on not your feelings, not your emotions, not your like butterflies in your stomach or whatever it is, but really just focus on the facts of what's the, what's the actual, what's the actual reality of what's going on here? The actual reality is I can't even talk to this guy. I can literally cannot have a conversation with him. So how am I going to make a marriage work with this guy? Um, the actual reality is I have a lot of bills and he has no way to financially support me because we're, he doesn't have any way to earn income because he's on a student visa. So there's just a lot, I mean, there were so many other things that if I would have been smart enough to stop and to really take into consideration the actual facts of what was happening, I would have, uh, I would have made better choices. The other thing is, and I've just never been a person who's able to do this very well, is I think what can happen and why I say like, slow, slow, slow down, look at the facts kind of thing is that once you get caught up in a situation like that, how embarrassing is it to try to back out of it and how humiliating it is to be able to say like, whoa, like I just, I went too head first. It's not right. I need to slow down. And I think that's part of what I got kind of caught up into is that, you know, I moved 20 hours away and lived in another state with this guy for an entire year. And, um, so to then get to the end of that year, I'm planning a wedding from, you know, in Ohio from Texas, I'm, arranging for different speakers and different friends of mine who flew in and just it was a beautiful ceremony a lot of work a lot of hands a lot of people involved and um to marry this man who really I didn't know I I had never met his family I never talked to his family um I you know the things that I did know about his past were not great and I just ignored them I just ignored the things that I was told about him 
um, I just had in my mind, like, I'm going to marry this guy. This is what God has for me. And we're going to have this amazing life in ministry. And I just ignored a lot of the, um, like I said, the facts and that's, you know, I, I get it. Like, obviously I've been there, so I know it's hard <clears throat> to focus when you're in the midst of, you know, the excitement of a relationship, but so I uh, married him. And then the um, thing that was a definite shocker is that within two weeks, if that, of being married, he started to become uh, physically, you know, basically hit me <laughs> is what it comes down to. So that was like, well, you know, total shocker. I remember sitting on the couch in the house that we were living in, the church, he did end up, um, you know, becoming like a, a church planner with an American church there. And we were going to start a Hispanic, you know, Spanish speaking church and in partnership with that church. So we had a job. We were in a ministry together. We were, we were set up in a house that the church provided. And I remember after the first time that it happened, he had left with some of the members of the church to go, you know, do some type of outreach. And I was sitting on the couch. And I remember I called the older friend of mine who had, you know, kind of told me not to marry him basically. And I remember what she said. She said, I knew this call would happen. I just honestly did not think it would happen this soon. And uh, she said, I knew that I knew that I'd hear from you. And so that was kind of a wake up call. Like, you know, how stubborn am I that I have this woman who told me and then she even sat basically sat by her phone waiting for me to call because she knew eventually that I would call. So that carried on. Like I said, we were married in January, carried on, on and off. Um, other incidents, just other things too that, you know, were come up where, you know, I had to, um, I had to basically strip my life of everything that I knew. Look, I, I listened to, if you pull up my, my, uh, uh, music, Amazon music, like saved whatever artist, I listened to everything from Cardi B to Kesha to, bluegrass to Shane and Shane Christian music. I mean, I listen to every type of, if I like it, I listen to it. Basically that's, that's my genre. That's my genre. If I like it, I listen to it. And so when I married him, like I had to strip everything. I remember I had a friend of mine who made me like a whole big stack of mixed CDs. It was so nice. And I was so excited to listen to all of them. He had like titled them all these different things that were like memories that he and I had had that were funny. And I had to get rid of all of them because he basically said to me like, no, you are only listening to Christian music, nothing else. And just things like that, that were super controlling. And just, um, you know, at first I was like, kind of fought it. Like, no, I'm not going to stop being who I am. Like, that's not what I signed up for. But in his mind, you know, that's what it was. And he even, you know, after the first time that he had hit me, he, I remember him telling somebody like, I didn't want to hurt her. I just wanted to discipline her. So that was his mentality um, that he felt like his role as my as my husband was to discipline me and keep me in line. And like I could never show any emotion in public. I could never like show any disappointment in anything I had. He would always say to me even like, watch your face, watch your face is what he would say. Like if I ever was frustrated or sad or angry or anything, um, I had to maintain just like a happy ready to go, you know, attitude about anything. I can never show that emotion. So anyway, I ended up being pregnant with my son pretty much immediately and, you know, knew, um, just from my 
from studying social work and from being in school and in the classes that I'd had, I knew that the chances um, of him being physically uh, abusive to me were not going to, you know, that that wasn't going to change. That wasn't going to stop. And then I also knew that 75% of men who are physically abusive to their significant others are also abusive to their children. And, you know, in my mind, that was just a, that was just a non-negotiable. So um, I ended up, there's so many other details to this, to this part of my life, but I guess, you know, the one thing that I just want to say is I ended, I ended up leaving him and I ended up, um, when my son was about, oh my gosh, he was old. He ended up leaving the continent when my son was about six months old. And then it was probably another year after that before I ended up having enough money to be able to get divorced from him. Um, but you know, what I really wanted to highlight is that, I think that as women, you know, sometimes we just have it in our mind, especially Christian women, we just have it in our mind that we have to have a husband to be able to be in ministry. And that's not just something that we have in our mind. I think, unfortunately, that's something that's kind of pushed in the culture and pushed in Christian universities and pushed in the church sometimes is that we have to have a man, we have to be married to be able to be in ministry. Um, And I definitely, I definitely thought that. I definitely thought, like, I cannot pursue full-time ministry until I'm married. And that is the very last. (laughs) That's so far from the truth. Uh, You know, it's not, it's not accurate. You can definitely, you know, I think that's progress. Like I definitely see more women who are single and who are in full-time ministry these days. So I think that's, I mean, that's great. Um, but I guess that's, that's one point I wanted to highlight. And then, you know, just knowing that, um, people would, people would say like, didn't you see anything? Like you were with him for a whole year. You were engaged for a whole year. Didn't you see any red flags? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, after the fact, you know, during, during the year, what I thought was, well, he doesn't want me to talk to this person because he really cares about me, or he doesn't want me to go to this place because he wants to have me, you know, he wants me to just be with him. So it's, it's just a crazy and incredible how our brains will, like I said, twist the facts, twist the reality to kind of make it into what we want it to be and how we want, you know, our lives to play out. And that, that's one thing that I have, well, you think I would learn and here I went around and (laughs) got married a second time and it wasn't right either. But, you know, that's one thing that I hope that I've learned at this point in my life is that you can't write God's story. You can't, you just can't, you know, God has a story for your life. God has a plan for your life. And, you know, you can't get in there and just dictate what's going to happen without chances are things kind of being messy. I mean, my son is here as a result of that marriage and I would never change anything about it. I have learned so, so much. I learned so, so much during that time. I learned independence. I learned how to, you know, uh, manage my finances. I, I went through an entire pregnancy entirely on my own. Um, you know, I just did what I had to do and I took care of myself and I took care of my son and took care of, you know, my pregnancy and everything like that. And, I wouldn't change that experience for anything. It was hard, but it was exactly what I, what I, I think what I needed and what, you know, what God had, I know it's what God had for me because it, it allowed for me, you know, I say that my son saved my life because if I wouldn't have been pregnant, you know, during that time when I left him and I, I, uh, (laughs) 
sold my car and rented a, a giant budget moving van and packed up my packed up my belongings in the middle of the night and drove to Atlanta and lived with a friend for a while. I mean, if I hadn't been pregnant during that period of time, there's no telling what I would have done. I'm I'm super responsible and extra guilty, so I'm de- I'm <laughs> I'm doubting I would have been too crazy, but. I just don't think I would have been as motivated as I was to be, you know, try to work and make money and, and deal the things I needed to do. So I know that, you know, God doesn't make mistakes and I believe that. And I believe that God knows everything that's going to happen in our lives. And so that's, that's a little picture into, um, that story. I'm sure along the way, upcoming episodes, I'll have other, um, stories and, and tidbits from that part of my life to share. But, you know, like I said, I want to be able to, um, I want to be able to share my stories honestly and about my life honestly. And I think, like I said, one thing that's come out of that is that I can come alongside women who have experienced domestic violence and say to them that I 100% get it. I get the feeling, I get the fear, I get the frustration, I get the anger, I get all of it. I get the, you know, the post-traumatic fear that comes along with it for years and years after I still, you know, have that, those experiences. And so I'm just as crazy as it sounds. I mean, I'm thankful for that period of my life because it has allowed for me to, um, just have conversations with women and have conversations with other people. And like, obviously share on this podcast, um, and hopefully, you know, be able to commiserate with someone else and just encourage someone else who's going through that. Um, so if you're in that situation and you um, need to get help, get help. And if you um, need to ask questions, I have an email address. Again, I, I don't at this point, I don't think anybody else is listening to this podcast, but my family, but that's okay. Eventually, you know, I'll uh, maybe advertise a little bit more. But uh, yeah, I mean, get help and, and talk to someone and, and don't be alone and, and do your best to be safe and try to reach out for help when you're able to. So that's pretty much it for today. I pushed an hour and I pushed it hard and I'm not ashamed of that because like I said, <laughs> that was a lot of information. What I, what I did was I went for totally ridiculous information and then I took you super serious because sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to start out lighthearted and then you have to, you have to throw in a super awkward and serious story and then close it out on that low note. I don't have anything to bring you back up high, so I'm sorry to leave you at a low spot. Um, I'm trying to think maybe I could talk about something. Uh, oh, here's something that's kind of funny just to close this out in a way that's not super depressing and sad. Um, today I went on a walk and my two year old, almost two year old, I stopped at my neighbor's house because my cat, Bill, she likes to go on walks with us. But here's the thing. She gets scared every time a car comes by and runs to wherever she can run. And then it's a matter of finding her because I'm worried she's not going to make it back to her house. So I'm at my neighbor's house, like trying to get my cat. And I'm like, Bill, come on, quit being an idiot. And my two-year-old is kind of toddling off. Now, I live on like a country road. There's not a lot of cars that come down it. But when they do come down it, they drive like bats out of hell. I mean, they drive 100 miles an hour. So was it a good parenting moment for me to let my two-year-old just walk off and like walk towards my house on her own? No, absolutely not. And like as I'm talking to my neighbor, I even said, I probably should get closer to her because if a car comes, I'm I'm not a quick runner and and this is gonna be disastrous. So here I go. Her sure enough, here comes a car. So I take off running. She's not too far away from me. I made it to her. But of course, guess who it is in the car? 
her husband, my neighbor's husband, who I have repeatedly made a fool of in front of. So he was laughing at me running, pushing a stroller with a baby in it. And it made for a funny moment. So that's, that's it. That's all I got. Not very funny, but kind of funny and also kind of, uh, kind of crazy that I let a baby walk off away from me in the middle of a road. That was not my finest parenting moment, but oh well, it worked out. So, uh, shoot me an email or, um, don't, I mean, do whatever you want. And, uh, I will hopefully be back at some point this week. Like I said, the goal, what I do is I I shoot for the best and then sometimes I settle for mediocrity. Um, and that's what I'm doing with this podcast. I'm going to try my hardest to post every day, but you know what? If I don't, then that's okay. No shame. No shame in this game. All right. Bye.